You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bovey and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. For the first time since mid-January earlier in the year, we have a game week podcast. We have made it, everybody. Football is here. Hello, everybody. I am Matt Bovey from Channel 7, Sal Capaccio from WGR 550, Bill Sideline Reporter. Sal, it was a long summer. It was a long offseason. But now that's all behind us. We're talking about an actual game in the regular season as the Bills try and, you know, go as far as they can and eventually win a Super Bowl, which is what everybody in Buffalo wants. No doubt, buddy. Listen, it's been, as you said, a long one. It's also longer when the season ends the way it did, right? It was yeah. such a bad taste in your mouth. You know, there's a way I remember, maybe you felt differently, but. I remember when they went to Jacksonville and lost in the playoffs and that stunk, but you knew like, okay, like, okay, maybe you got the right pieces here with the, the GM and the head coach and what they were able to do with that team that people thought were tanking. They took a step backward the next year, but that game in Houston was really tough a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. But I remember thinking excited, like, oh my God, like this is a really great trajectory. This team is going to be here for a long time. And now that I don't still think that, but when the season ends now with a team that is expected to contend for the Super Bowl the way it has the last two seasons, it makes it a lot tougher in the offseason, doesn't it? I just feel like we need to get to this point. We've needed to get to this week for Mm -hmm. the last six months. Well, I think whenever you lose your last game with the expectations that you have for the Bills, wherever it is, it is going to be a massive disappointment. But the way they lost that game last year, just getting their doors blown off at home against Cincinnati with all of the stuff that happened during during the season it was just such a deflating way for things to end and that's one of the reasons why I think the bills as ridiculous as this may sound are flying a bit under the radar at least at least nationally you know you turn on your television you turn on the radio for the last three four months it's are the Jets the best team in the AFC East? What about the Dolphins? Could the Dolphins win a Super Bowl? I saw Mike Clay from ESPN, I think, predicted Eagles-Dolphins in the Super Bowl. That was his prediction. There were a lot of people who are really high on the other teams in the division. Sports Illustrated picked the Patriots to win the AFC East. So you have all these different ranges of outcomes for people. And then you've got the Bills, who were 13-3 and three last year. I, I had my fantasy football draft on Sunday evening, and after the draft, we all have a bonfire, and we sit around the bonfire, and basically all we do is talk about, one, our teams, and two, the Bills, because everybody's like, okay, we're getting close to the season. What do you think? What do you think? Blah, blah, blah. And I think the thing that I keep coming back to is, even though the expectations might be really, really rangy for the Bills, some people might think they're great, some people might think they might not make the playoffs, I think they have a better team than they do last year. Legitimately a better roster. 
and they won 13 games last season. So when you think about it that way, it's hard to really think that they could stink. I think that if you look at week one last year versus week one now roster, you could make an argument they're not as good because Von Miller was healthy. Mm -hmm. Micah Hyde was healthy. But absolutely, Matt, if you take the end of the season, the way they exited against the Bengals and that roster as constructed Mm -hmm. versus now, they're better now. Micah Hyde is healthy. Jordan Poyer's healthy. Gabe Davis is healthy. Now, look, you're going to have injuries throughout the year, but Von Miller is the only one. And guess what? They went out and got Leonard Floyd to bridge that gap, who, oh, by the way, has had the fourth most sacks over the last three years in the NFL. So mm-hmm. I agree with you that the roster is better right now than it was at the end of last season. That doesn't guarantee you anything, of course. No. But it is interesting to me what you said about how all a lot of the national media is picking are picking these other teams. And that's just what happens, I think, when teams get their kicks at the can and they don't make it and like, ah, well, now we're going to move on to someone else. But it doesn't always have to be that way. What's the thing we always say? You and I both say this. Look, as long as they have Josh Allen, they're going to contend. It, mm-hmm. I mean, you can change a lot of the parts around them. You might have ebbs and flows, but you're always going to contend. Think of the many years that the New England Patriots for 20 years contended because they had Tom Brady. It, doesn't, it didn't matter what changed around them. I always find it funny that no one thinks this about the Kansas City Chiefs, yet their quarterback is just as old, a year older than Josh Allen. I know they've had some nice younger pieces come in, but no one really thinks that about the Chiefs, that their window's closed or they have this certain amount of time before, oh, well, they're getting older, they're aging out. I mean, the Bills' rookie class and youth movement on the offensive line suggests that they are already in that transition and they're still going to be really good. Yeah, but I think for the Chiefs, to that point, they're still, even though Josh... I firmly believe is one of the best three quarterbacks in the NFL. I still think there's a gap between him and Mahomes. And I think that gap is not just in the regular season. It's also in the postseason. I mean, Josh Allen played a perfect game basically in Kansas city and still lost, but Mahomes has won two super bowls. Like right now he is the best player in the entire league. But my my point I'm, is why, why does nobody say, why does nobody say the same thing about the chiefs? That they're saying about the bills when the chiefs have been actually at their run for even longer. Probably because Mahomes is so good. Like, oh, I don't think I, I, say, he might be a little better. He might be better than Josh. I'm going to give that to you. But Josh is still what top two or three quarterback in the league. That should he, disqualify him from having a, a shorter window. Yeah, but I think think about with the Patriots and with all of the teams that were competing with the Patriots, the Patriots window was never really closed because they had Tom Brady. But Peyton Manning's window was closed all the time. And Ben Roethlisberger's window was closed all the times because they were like the secondary guys. They were the next tier. I don't think anybody ever jumps on. It's one of those things like until you lose, we'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Until the Chiefs fall off, I don't think anybody will say that their window is closed. So you think that the... Bengals windows closing too because they have Joe Burrow and he's not Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I think the consensus would be probably more than the Chiefs. I think they the have question less would- chance to win. I'm asking about where the window is to win, though. But it, to me, all I'm trying to say, Matt, is yeah, as long as Joe Burrow's playing in Cincinnati, as long as yes. Josh Allen's playing in Buffalo, as long as Absolutely. Patrick Mahomes is playing in Kansas City, these teams are going to have chances to win the Super Bowl. They're always going to be in contention. That's Absolutely. all I'm saying. And like, all these people who write about, oh boy, this better Super Bowl or bust for the Bills after this, it's not going to be. Why don't they say the same thing about Kansas City? Because simply because Mahomes is so great, but Josh Allen's great. Well, it's also because they've already won. Like, it's not a bust. If you lose, you've already won two. Mahomes already has two Super Bowls. The Bills don't have one yet, and the Bengals don't have one yet. Sure. So it can be a bust because if the Chiefs 
stink stink by their standards this year. And let's say they get eliminated in like the divisional round. It'll be a disappointment of a season for them, but they've also won two Super Bowls in the last like three years. So it's not really a bust for the Bills. If they don't ultimately get a Super Bowl while Josh Allen is their quarterback, that will be a massive disappointment and kind of a bust, even though those years are yeah, really I'm good. I'm talking about now. I, how many times have you heard, is 2023 Super Bowl or bust for the Bills? I don't care I, about I, 2027. I, I think that's only a thing because they haven't won. If they had, if they had won, if they had won one, it'll never be Super Bowl or bust. Like You can't take that away if you have won one. But until you do that, I think people are much quicker to start to close the door. In Cincinnati, it's... We were minutes away from winning a Super Bowl. That's the best chance we might ever have. And for the Bills, it's 13 seconds. And that was the best chance we'll ever have until you do it. And then once you do it, then, you know, the range of outcomes and the expectations just go all over the place. I I don't disagree with the perception. I'm talking about the reality, though. Is the reality really that they, they will have less of a chance to win going forward simply because they didn't win one two years ago? I don't no, think it is. And I, and I don't think that, anything, that's the point I'm trying to make. There, there is there, The window isn't actually closing, no matter what people want to tell you is happening. Well, it's not. But I also think it's getting closer to happening. Even though you always have, for as long, let's say the next six, seven, eight years, whatever it is, for as long as you have Josh Allen, you certainly have a chance. Yep. But the roster, I don't know, will be as good as it has been the last couple of years because some key players are getting older. Mm-hmm. Your salary cap situation is not getting better. I know the cap is skyrocketing in the NFL, but still, it's not like the Bills have a ton of room. And it makes you wonder, like, did they not waste? That's a little bit harsh, but did they miss an opportunity with the best roster that they will ever assemble? I, I don't, I don't know if I don't know if that's the case, but when you talk about like the door closing, well, or the window closing, well, what if whatever, same thing. What if in a year Micah Hyde is done? And what if Jordan Poyer oh, slips? And what I, if I, you know? I, I'll be the first to tell you the window on this particular group of players roster is yeah. certainly closing. It is not on the Buffalo Bills organization. Well, no, because it's Josh. Correct. They live and die point. with Josh. But th- that's exactly my point. Because what we've been told in the national media again is 2023 windows closing, Super Bowl or bust. That's not true. It might be this roster isn't going to stay together. I think in 2026 and 2027, as long as Josh Allen's a quarterback, we're still going to be talking about the Bills being Super Bowl contenders. Yes, and they should be for the next several years. And if they're right. not, something serious has gone wrong with either the way their team has been built or you know right. the trajectory of Josh's all, that, career. That was my point about like how this is talked about. So I'll ask you, when yeah. people say this, I get asked this a lot, is it Super Bowl or bust? All right. I always say no because what does the word bust mean? Bust usually means... That's it. You didn't win. You got to tear it down. You got to start over. That's not happening here in Buffalo. So what what does that word even mean, I think, when it comes to the Bills, if they were to fall short again? I don't, I don't know. It's tricky because I guess it just all depends on what you define bust as. I think for right. me, bust would just be a really big disappointment. And I think yeah. even if this team went to the Super Bowl, of course, it would be a disappointment. They lost. But if this team went to the Super Bowl and lost, it would still be a massive disappointment. And people yes. would wonder, are they ever going to ultimately do it? So I don't know if that's – I don't know if I agree with you there. I think if somebody says, is this season Super Bowl or bust, I I don't think that means you got to tear it all down, but I think it means that you missed an opportunity that you may never get back again. So that's kind of how I would yes. define it. If, if you define bust that way, I totally agree with you. Yeah. 
I, I, I push back. The overall point I'm making here is I push back at the notion that if they don't win it this year, they're just not going to get as many looks at it. They're done. Like mm-hmm. it, because this has been the narrative. I hate that word, by the way. This has been the narrative in the national media that well, it's now or never. Now or mm-hmm. never. That was literally written, I think, by maybe Sports Illustrated. I don't think that's the case. It's yeah. now for maybe Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, a few other guys. I don't think mm-hmm. it's never for the Buffalo Bills organization. Now, there will be. They could take a step back maybe in 2024 if they reset. There's no guarantee they will. They could. But as long as number 17 is playing, as long as Brandon Bean is running this team. Brandon Bean said in the summer, he said, look, there are moves I could make to go all in and just kind of screw what's going to happen in the future. He said, that's not my goal here. My goal is to be a championship contender for the next 10 years. And yeah. I and, and that's why I say that's where they'll be. Yeah, well... I don't know. Ten years is lofty, even with right. Josh. That it's I don't lofty. Think he said ten years specifically. But yeah. yeah. I, let me ask you this though. I think it's very realistic. I, I almost don't think it's realistic. Is the right word. I think it's very likely that the Bills regress this year. But the Bills regressing, at least by their record, does mm-hmm. not mean that they are any less of a Super Bowl contender. I think right now. So I just checked this morning because I wanted to check and see what the line was for the Bills and Jets game. It's two and a half. The Bills are favored by two and a half. Their over under win total is 10 and a half on the season. And I think some Bills fans might see that and go, ooh, 10 and a half. I mean, if they go 10 and seven, I think that's, mm, man, maybe you probably should have won more games than that. I agree with that. For sure. But I mean, they were 13 and three last year. If this team wins 12 games, if they're 12 and five, they have technically regressed, but that's really still really good. 11, for me, the number that I keep going back to is 11. I think that is how many wins that they are going to have. I think they just cracked the over, but I think there's going to be more losses than there were last year. So for me, the number that I keep falling back to is 11 and six. You're not going to be the one seed, but you probably also still win your division at 11 and six. You're getting at least a home playoff game, maybe two. And I just think it's about getting hot at the right time. And the team that I think had the best chance of winning a Super Bowl in Buffalo was the team that lost the 13-second game in Kansas yep. City. And that team looked like they could miss the playoffs in mid-December. And then they got hot at the right time, Amazing. and then they lost their mind. So for me, That's it's right. just about kind of getting into the playoffs, which I think this team is certainly capable of doing, and then you know getting hot at the right time. I, I don't think the one seed would be a big deal. The one seed would be really beneficial, but I don't think it's everything. And I think the last couple of years have kind of proven that. Yeah, it's not just because of home field. I think the one seed is a big deal because you're the only team that gets a buy and gets to rest up a little bit. And there's yeah. no like, and it's no trip, tri, you know, trip wires basically yeah. for that first game, right? Yeah, you like a sky, like a game you almost lose to Sky Moore, not almost lose to Sky, sky Moore, but like a little to oh, Skylar uh, Thompson, Skylar Thompson, Sky Moore. I got fantasy football in the brain still. Um, <laughs> no, no, I, sleeper, I, I agree. I agree with that. Um, no, no, I, I think that's all right, and it is a great reminder what you said. I mean. That wind game here in Buffalo, Monday Night Football, Damian Harris run. After that game, the Patriots took over the division. They were literally in first place. The Bills had to climb their way back, have the Patriots lose along the way, and they did, and the Bills came out there. All right, well, a lot of what you just talked about, though, Matt, has to do with what their schedule is. They have a tough schedule. Let's talk about that. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, it's always game day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove. Matt, it's going to start off right away in New York on September 11th. Mm-hmm. MetLife against New York, the New York Jets. Aaron Rodgers' debut. It gets tough right away out of the gate for the Bills. The first probably month of the season, month and a half, probably their best opportunity to get some wins under their belt to stack them. And then it gets really real. Now, look, anything yeah. can happen. We know that. But this is a tough schedule. To your point about regressing with wins, one of the things you have to think about here is they could win. They could go 10 and 7. But man, that might be like a really good job based on a very tough schedule. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that even their games that you're going to put like little asterisks by as their easier games still have some challenges. Like the Raiders game, you know, the Raiders aren't great, but I don't think the Raiders are going to get their doors blown off. And Washington's another one. Like I think Washington might sneakily be competitive if Howell is any good this year. So especially on the road. So, yeah, like you need to get off to a good start because that second half stretch, you have all of the I mean, you're talking about a trip to Cincinnati, another trip to Kansas City, a trip to Los Angeles, a home game against Dallas, trip to Philly. Div- a trip to Philly. You've got your division games mixed in there Ooh. like you are not messing around. I-, I legitimately do think the AFC East is the best division in all of football. So that's why I think like, you know. Not all eleven and six or ten and seven records are created equal. You could have a really good team and still lose six or seven games this year. And if that's the case, just got to hope that you're playing your best at the end of the season. Yeah, this is a tough deal for the Bills, and obviously it starts right away with a tough AFC East opponent. We think is going to be very tough, and why shouldn't they be with the New York Jets? And then of course you have the Miami Dolphins within the first four weeks of the season. You're not going to have Von Miller. They did ultimately put him on the physically unable to perform list. We talked about that on the last uh, It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Are, are you, where are you now that we're here with the New York Jets specifically? And even the Dolphins, but where are you? You just said best division in the AFC East. Where are you with these teams? Like, um, is the AFC East, I should say. Like, um, do you think that this, you could see the Jets or Dolphins winning the division from the Bills? Yes. 
but I don't think they will. I think right now, if I was going to predict the order of the division, it would go Bills, Dolphins, Jets, Patriots. Mm-hmm. I am higher on the Dolphins than probably most people. I think if Tua stays healthy, that offense is really dynamic. And I also think I like the addition of Vic Fangio so much on defense. Mm-hmm. When I think about the Jets, you know, you can look at it one of two ways. You can say like, okay, they had such a great defense last year and such bad quarterback play. Imagine if you kind of blended the two together, which is what they're doing. A lot of people have been like, this is exactly like when Tom Brady went to Tampa. Like that's going to be what Rodgers does when he's in New York and it's going to be special. I hear that, but at the same time, I'm just not sold on the Jets yet. Like I think they're good. Like I think they could legitimately, I think they could beat the Bills week one. I really do. But sure. I don't think that that automatically if, – if the Jets win week one, when you turn on the TV or radio on Tuesday morning, the talk will be, could the Jets win the Super Bowl? Are the Jets the best team in the AFC? Are the best Jets the best team in the AFC East? Whatever happens, it's going to be overblown. If the Bills win, it's the, – the Rodgers era is going to fail miserably. If the Jets win, it's the Bills stink and the Jets are going to be the best team in the AFC. I love it. You're I don't right. think I don't think any of that's true. It'll be overreaction that, Tuesday, no matter what happens. I think back to the year that the Bills went to the AFC Championship and then started the season at home against a Steelers team that we did not think was going to be very good and lost. And then after that game, being like, "What just happened?" And Emmanuel Sanders, who had played for the Steelers, was like, "Chill." He's like, "This stuff happens." It's like, "I promise you, we will be fine." But like, yeah. chill please. So that's I mean, kind of my, that's kind of the mindset that I have going. Aaron Rodgers relaxed when he was in green Bay. Right. Yeah, well, relaxed. Yeah, I mean, it's the I same mean, thing. He knows he, these veterans, they know it. You just said it, Matt, like you just said it back in 2020, they were not even in first place in their division in December. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And look what happened. So mm-hmm. the, the, the season is long. There's lots of ebbs and flows. All right. What would have to happen for the jets and Dol- jets and or dolphins or dolphins, I guess to win the division would it be? I guess this is the way I want to ask it. Is it something the Bills would have to do wrong or injury wise, or is it just simply Miami staying healthy with Tua or the Jets being the best version of themselves with Aaron Rodgers? Like, let's say the Bills have a nice season, they stay healthy, not you know, they're gonna have some bumps and bruises along the way. Is that enough to say, okay, then they'll win the division, or could you still see a scenario where one of those teams could do it based on what they do? Well, I guess it depends a lot of what happens in the games that they play because they become that much more meaningful if you think that there is going to be a cluster at the top of the AFC East, which I think there's going to be. Like if the Dolphins or the Jets sweep the Bills, then yeah, like that's a little bit of what they did and a little bit of what the Bills didn't do. But if you told me right now, hey, the Bills go four and two in the division, then I would say, okay, Bills go four and two in the division. I think they're going to win the AFC East because that means they at least probably beat the Jets and Dolphins once each, or they swept one of those teams and lost twice to the other. I, I don't know. I just think that it could be a little bit of both. I think, but aside from an injury, which is, you know, the biggest X factor for any of the teams that we're talking about, I think it could be maybe the Bills lost a couple games that they shouldn't. A couple of those like tight games in the middle of the season where you're like, yeah, the Bills should be favored, but it's not an easy game. Like the, the games I'm thinking of are like the Giants game. At home, Sunday Night Football. I don't think the Giants are great, but I don't think the Giants are bad either. Like They could come in here and give the Bills a close game. If you drop a couple of those games, then it makes those tough ones that much tougher because then you have to win. I'm going to say 
that if the Bills stay healthy and just have a what I think Bills season can be, I don't see one of those teams overtaking them. And the reason is because I just think those other teams have quite the depth of the Bills. The, it is a long season with attrition. And even if, let's say if everyone just stayed relatively healthy, right? We're not talking about major injuries on both sides. I just think the Bills are better. They got Josh Allen, they got a better roster, they'll win the division. And I mean, honestly, like all of the teams in the division are pretty much playing the same schedule. There's three games different between the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills, and Patriots for yeah. that matter. It's the only the, the matchup games for however you fell in the standings. Everything else is the same. I mean, they're mm-hmm. all they're all playing Philadelphia. They're all playing Kansas City, right? I mean, like how this goes for the Bills schedule-wise is pretty I mean, the uh, Warren Sharp has a lot of great stats on like scheduling. Mm-hmm. If you look like the hardest scheduled in the league are the AFC East teams pretty much. And especially yes. like, the Patriots have the hardest based on a lot of things. So I think, Matt, that that's how that's what I still feel about the Bills, I guess, overall is as long as they avoid major injury and they play to what they're supposed to play, it doesn't have to be the best of what they are. I don't see those other teams overtaking them, although I do think those teams will still be more competitive and they're not going to win the game, the division by five and a half games like they did last year. I just think the Bills are a better roster overall, and if everything's equal, everyone stays healthy, and everyone has a kind of a normal season, I think the Bills still take the division. So let me ask you this. What is your biggest area of concern heading into both week one and to the entire season for the Bills? And then what is the thing you are most confident in heading into the season? And this could be about week one or just about the entire season. Um, my biggest area of concern for the Buffalo Bills I, they still don't have that middle linebacker spot wrapped up. And look, yeah, I don't think that that has to be a death nail. That's not a, that's not fatal to not have, like, you're still going to have a guy there. Terrell, Tyrell Dodson, Terrell Bernard, he might not be Tremaine Edmonds, but, and you also can insulate mm-hmm. that player with everything around him, with the safeties you have, with Milano. That's like, that's not like have not having a quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's not like not having a pass rusher, which that obviously with the bills without Bob Miller, but they have Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau now. Um, So I think that's my biggest concern. The teams will try to attack and exploit that somehow. And the bills have to figure that out what they want to do. My biggest confidence is Josh Allen throwing the football. I mean, so honestly, like they're, they're going to be fine on offense. The bills, even if they have some troubles on offense, they'll still be good. And I know that because of last year, last year, they were not right on offense for the second half of the year. And Matt, they were still scoring at basically a top two or three offense in the league throughout those games. Yeah, I think that I I agree with you about linebacker. I'm going to take it a little bit of a different direction, though. I'm still concerned about the offensive line, especially mm-hmm. right tackle. I don't know what to expect from Spencer Brown coming into the season. Mm-hmm. And there's really not a lot of competition behind him. There's not a lot of people who I think are knocking on that door if he does not play well, really for both tackles. I think the offensive line from a personnel standpoint will be better this year. I think Connor McGovern is much better than Roger Saffold was last year. And it seems like Osiris Torrance is going to be a nice little bump up in play from what Ryan Bates was. So I think that's a good sign for the offensive line as a whole, but I'm still worried kind of about both tackles, but more specifically about Spencer Brown. Brandon Bean has said, He was not fully healthy. He was coming off of an injury. He's still a young player. He's got a lot of reps that he needs. I know you don't want to take too much into the preseason, but there were times when the offensive line was not holding up the way they should have. It was against the Steelers. So that's a really, really good pass rush. I'm a bit concerned about the offensive line and just if they can kind of protect Josh and let the Bills offense be as dynamic as it should ultimately be. The thing that I'm most confident in 
Also on offense, the improved weapons. Just for the entire group, I think Trent Sherfield and Deontay Hardy are much better options than the Bills have had in years past. I think their wide receiver room from top to bottom is significantly better than it was at this time last year, Mm -hmm. and especially at the playoffs when you were starting John Brown and Cole Beasley and guys who were not in the league and then guys who went on to other teams this year and couldn't make those teams. I mean, you look at Jamison Crowder, he gets cut. You look at Cole Beasley, I think he got cut in New York. I don't know if he ended up going back. Isaiah McKenzie briefly got cut. Like those were your top options in those games. And now you have Stefan Diggs, who I think is going to have a massive season. Gabe Davis, who I think could have a really nice bounce back. You know, this is one of those he was so hyped last year by a lot of people, myself included. I thought Gabe was going to be a monster last year. Didn't live up to the expectations. I think this year, though, he continues to take a step in the right direction. And Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid could have the third most targets on this team. He could, there is a world where Dalton Kincaid could have the second most targets on this Mm -hmm. team this year. I don't think that happens, but that's not so unbelievable that it's impossible to happen. So that's the thing that I'm the most confident in. Surround your best player with weapons. And I think the Bills have done a better job of that. I don't think it's like the best in the league by any stretch, but it's still better than what they've had. Yeah, I like all that. And I agree with all of it. I think it took you even a while to get to Dalton Kincaid, and you did, but that just speaks to the you know, like really major improvement I think that they've had. I really like Trent Sherfield, by the way. Like, so did you come I. away so, from and preseason so going, this guy's this guy's really a good football player, man? That's yeah. what I, I mean, not to take anything away from anybody else, but he just he does everything so really well, I think. Well, I just think that it's like, okay, if you're gonna go through your project your um, progressions and yeah. you don't have anything at Diggs week one. Okay. You got sauce Gardner over there holding Stefan Diggs. Then you've got Gabe Davis and you're like, okay, Gabe Davis is our second best option. I still think Sherfield can make plays. I think he brings them versatility that they have not had for somebody who can line up inside and outside. I think it makes them a little bit more dynamic because you can't sleep on that person. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think, Cole Beasley or John Brown or Khalil Shakir were gar- are going to garner the attention that Trent Sherfield is going to garner. And then it's like, okay, if you sleep on him, he's going to burn you. But if then you pay the attention to him, then you should probably have a favorable matchup with whatever tight end you've got on the field. I also think, too, adding Dalton Kincaid makes Dawson Knox a better version of himself. I think that Dawson Knox's skill set can kind of be better utilized because of Dalton Kincaid. And I think Dawson Knox could have a nice season. Maybe the stats aren't quite there, but I think Dawson Knox can be somebody who could really make some big plays for this team. Because I I really do think Kincaid is going to carve out a role on this offense, like a very substantial role. You asked me about any concerns for week one. I think the concern for me week one is simply the environment. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to go to New York. It's going to be so hyped over there with Aaron Rodgers. They have to get off to a good start. You can't let that crowd get into it. You can't let the... Um, sorry, see, there you go. The uh, Jets feel really good about themselves and mm-hmm. think, okay, we got the Buffalo Bills. I remember back in 2019, the Bills came out. That was the year that they're like, okay, they John Brown, Cole Beasley, they're brand new. Uh, yep. The Bills suddenly go 17 straight passes. But remember, a pick six goes off the hands of Cole Beasley. Uh, there's a safety in there or something. There was just a lot of things went wrong for the Bills early in the game. But the Bills came back and they withstood that. But you start to have that against this team – I don't know. I think it might be a little bit to recover from. It's interesting, actually. The Bills did have the game in hand last year in New York and wound up losing it in the end because a couple of bad plays here or there. Josh with a 
poor uh-huh. throw that Sauce Gardner picks off. And the Jets actually came back and won that game with a long drive at the end. Yeah, I don't think the Jets are a team that you want to get behind. I think the Jets right. are a team that you need to play in front of, especially with now the addition of Dalvin Cook and Brees Hall. Like Those guys are dynamic playmakers, and I don't think you want to fall behind 10 points to them or more because then they're just going to start handing the ball off and burning clock, and those guys are still going to move the chains because they are that good. I'm also a bit concerned about the Bills in the run game. I, I don't think it's a massive concern, but their own run game or defending it, defending the run, stopping the run. I feel like that's been a little bit of a kind of really mosquito in the neck for the Bills the last few years. Yeah, it has, a little but I think bit. they've been very good in the preseason, and yeah, I, I mean, I think, obviously that's not we know it's preseason, but I, yeah. I like what I've seen from that group up front with the addition of Puna Ford and how the, how they've been playing. Well, it goes both ways, and this was always the Rex Ryan thing. Yeah, they were good in the preseason, except for the plays that they weren't, and the plays that they weren't were big plays like the Jalen Warren touchdown. Rex Ryan used to be like, Oh, if you take out the 70 yard touchdown, we only gave up (laughs) 2.1 yards a carry. It's like, well, you can't really do that because you gave up the 70 yard touchdown. And I just have the flashbacks of Delvin cook running that ball, like 80 yards last year in Buffalo against the Vikings and being like, man, that guy can do it. And so can Brees hall. I don't think the bills. I don't think the bills played Brees hall last year. No, but I'll say if you're, but if you tell me, you also asked me like what I'm most confident in week one, I'll go back to what I've been confident in since the beginning, which is you're getting the Jets at the right time, I think. I mean, Matt, how many snaps is Brees Hall going to have, honestly, coming back his first game from uh-huh. the ACL? I don't think he's going to play that much. Delvin Cook literally just joined the team, had a, had shoulder surgery. I think he became a dad. He didn't jo- like start practicing until two weeks ago. Uh-huh. Stuff. You, Aaron Rodgers hasn't had all that much time on task compared to the rest of the league with his wide receivers. Like, I, I – am confident in the fact that maybe the bills are catching them at a time where they're still trying to figure it out a little bit. Well, you go both ways. I agree with you with everything you said, but the environment, I think kind of evens the playing field. I think you would rather, if you're the, what do you think? Would you rather start with a game that you should absolutely win? Or would you rather start with a game? That's a really tough test on the road because it can go both ways. You can build your confidence. I'd rather start with a game. You should absolutely win, but I, I, I still don't think that the Jets are the best version of themselves in week one. Like they're going to be maybe in week 10. Rogers is strange. Rogers has had some stinkers to start NFL seasons. I don't think he will now because I think the team around him is very talented and I don't think they'll, you know, really have a stinker. I mean, maybe they will, but I think they're going to be competitive in every game they play this year. And I think that's going to be the case here. I think the biggest difference in this game, everybody will say like, Oh, the biggest difference is turnovers. I, I think that might be a little bit too cliche. I think the biggest difference in this game is who starts fast and who doesn't. Because I think if the Bills come out of the gate swinging, then it could be a nice day for them and a nice way to start the season. But if they start slow, once again, preseason doesn't matter. But if they look like they did against the Steelers in the first half on those three drives that Josh sure. played, it might be a really, really, really long day and a really rough way to start the season. Or they could look like they did against the Bears in the first two drives. Exactly. Exactly. But... I. I think the Jets' defense is really good. Quinn and Williams is oh, it's, awesome. It's Quinn and good. Williams is awesome. It's very good. I, what's the biggest matchup? What's the biggest um, advantage the Bills have matchup-wise in this game? <sighs> That's. Trash. I think there's one clear one. Clear. It's the, the Bills' D line against the Jets' O line. I was going to say it's the line, uh, defensive line, because yeah. the Jets' offensive line has been. I don't. You're right. How much do you trust the guys that they have, though? The Bills. 
Because I think that's more about the Jets' offensive line than it is Correct. about the Bills' defensive line. I guess I'm higher on the Bills' defensive line than you are, but the Jets' offensive line has been very bad all preseason in camp, according to all reports. Yes, it has been. It seems like that's been the big, I mean, you know, not that Bills fans aren't doing the same, but it feels like every Jets fan is tweeting about Jason Peters trying to come back or something right. like that. So I think that might be the biggest advantage for the Bills. I think the biggest disadvantage for the Bills is... Huh. Is it the other way around? The, Bills O-line against their D-line? It might be. It might be. Because um, their D-line is this legit. Up. Brees Hall did not have one carry in the preseason. I just don't expect Brees Hall to play that much, to be quite honest with you. You think he plays? I think he's probably active. Maybe not. He might. It wouldn't surprise me if he's inactive. So, yeah, I'm not really thinking about Brees Hall that much for this game. Any? I mean, we're still a week out from this. Any guesses at who could be you know, a surprise inactive for the Bills or maybe somebody who's banged up who we don't think will be back? I know we're going to get to questions in a little bit. Like, do you think Christian Kirksey is on the field? Do you think he's even active? Do you think he's elevated? Uh, how about, what about Terrell can Bernard? Can I reserve the right to answer that later in the week? <laughs> sure, you can. Okay. You, can. <laughs> you know what you I mean? Can. Like, I think it's a little tough to sit here right now. I think it, I mean, we haven't had any practices have gone out there. There hasn't been any um, injury reports yet. We'll get that. So I'm not trying to skirt the question. I just think, that's a really, that's way too broad right now to kind of think about. Like I haven't really dug into it yet a little bit, you know, and, and see where they, and see, you know, where the bills are. We will, by the way, get an injury report on Thursday for the first time. This oh, it's week. not what, oh yeah, it's a Monday night game. I keep Monday forgetting it's game. a Monday, I keep forgetting it's a Monday night game. All right, let's so, answer some of your questions coming up. All right. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast, it's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so as we usually, well, we don't usually do it. We haven't done it in a little while, but we asked you on social media, on X, or previously known as Twitter, maybe it's still known as Twitter, I don't know, if you had any questions heading into the Bills' first game. There was kind of a lot of, you know, over big picture questions, but there were also some specific to the Jets game in general. So what do you want to start with? You want to start with big picture, or you want to start with specifically um, Jets? You just pick one. I'm good. Either way, Um, whatever you want to do. Okay, this is from John. Over under four and a half catches for Kincaid, week one. Over. I think this is a good matchup say, for the Bills. I would I, say I over, think, too. Look, at, I, I think this particular matchup is good for the Bills in Dalton Kincaid. The Jets linebackers are, are good linebackers. I don't think they're known as cover linebackers, and I think that's where the Bills will try to take advantage with Dalton Kincaid. I agree. I think Dalton Kincaid has a nice kind of coming out party yep. against the Jets, and I think they're going to try and utilize him a lot early to build that confidence and kind of keep him trending in the right direction. Okay, this question is from Patrick. 
sleeper pick for defensive MVP and sleeper pick for offensive MVP. He also asks about special teams, but we're going to skip that one. Sorry, Patrick. So sleeper could for who could be the Bills defensive MVP and offensive MVP. I've got answers if you don't. Sleeper offensive MVP. Um, So both offense and defense. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know how much you can call these people sleepers, right? But James Cook, I think Mm -hmm. I really think people are sleeping on a bit as far as what his role is going to be. I've heard so much talk about, oh, is he going to be? Remember back months ago, I was always hammering saying, no, he's not losing a starting job to Damian Harris. He's the number Mm -hmm. one back. I think people are maybe sleeping a little bit on what James Cook's going to be able to do in this offense. I think this is a very, very kind of tailor-made offense for his skill set and what he can do. So I'm going to say offense, James Cook. Okay. I will say offense, Gabe Davis. Okay. Because I really do think that Gabe is going to have a strong bounce back season. I think the drops were an issue, but I don't think they're a massive issue that can't be corrected. I also think that he's going to get a lot of targets. I, I think Josh really trusts Gabe. And I think Gabe has a way of finding space when things break down. And I think that's one of the biggest assets of Dalton Kincaid's addition to the offense. But I also think that's something that Gabe does really well. Just think of the play in the preseason. Josh running to the sideline, throws across his body. Gabe is right there, ready to make the play. So I, I like Gabe Davis' trajectory heading into the season. And defensive for me, yeah, well, real quick, before you give yours, I want to say yeah. I am fully aware that you know a running back getting an MVP on this team, offensive MVP, is probably not in the cards. Yeah. I just want to make it known that I think James Cook could have a really nice year. Go ahead. Yeah, these are sleepers. So this yes. is not – Josh Allen will be their offensive MVP. Of course, of course. And if it's not him, it'll be Stephon yes. Diggs. It'll be Who's a guy, though, that sleeper to have a really nice year? Yeah, go ahead. Defensively, Ed Oliver. Ooh, I think I, like I, it. Okay. I think I two names of mine. He was not one of them, but I like it. I think Ed Oliver with a better defensive line. I know I just said that I don't maybe think it's as great as yours, but I think Ed Oliver lining up with the guys that they have could be a problem for teams this year. I already think he has been at times in his career. The consistency has been a little bit, I guess, of an issue for him. Got a new contract. I just keep going back to, I think they're going to really do some unique things on defense this year. It's third and nine, okay, late in the season, and you know they're passing. I think the Bills could bring out Vaughn, Floyd, Rousseau, and Oliver and put Rousseau on the interior and say, like, screw it, we're getting after you. And I think that that might let Oliver slip through the cracks a little bit and have some really – impressive numbers from his standards, but it's not just about numbers. Ed Oliver is a guy who makes big plays at big moments. And I think we're going to see that this year. Okay. Everything you just said, I would say the same thing basically about Greg Rousseau, which is why I thought about him. I think Greg Rousseau could be in for a real nice jump because now he -hmm. has Leonard Floyd next to him, even when he doesn't have Von Miller. And I really like what Greg Rousseau brings his athleticism, his traits, and you Mm -hmm. know, just what we see. However, he's actually not my pick. My pick, Tredavious White. Okay. Okay. I think Trey is in for a super good bounce back season. And I say that because the way he's been bouncing around, we've all seen it, right, Matt? He looks like Mm -hmm. competent Trey. He looks like he's ready and mentally in a really good spot, physically in a really good spot. I mean, he's not even wearing knee braces, nothing like that. Like we're a year and a half more than that. Almost two years now. We're almost two years removed from the ACL injury. And I think last year was so tough for him to get back on the field as we know mentally, physically, he started to get a little better as the season went on in the playoffs. 
We never saw the full version of Trey. I think we're about to see the full ver- version of Trey White again. Okay, this one is interesting. I like this question. This is from Lance. Will Josh Allen take what he is given and make the easy throws? How important do you think it is for him to take what more of the defense gives against forcing the ball down the field? I'll start with this one. I think it's important, but I also think Josh Allen is lightning in a bottle. And I think if you try and contain that too much, you take away what makes Josh Allen so special. If he just sits there and takes what the defense gives him all the time, he is a middle-of-the-road quarterback who probably will not make the spectacular plays that you want him to make. He'll also probably make less mistakes, but I don't really care about that. I care about him going and throwing across his body to the middle of the field to Gabe Davis on a play that one or two other quarterbacks in the entire NFL can make. I care about him trying to take the top off of a defense because he can on third and 15 still have a chance at hitting a big pass. So I think it's a balance. I think that there were times last year, the Jets game is a perfect example. He had two really stupid interceptions in that game that should not happen. But he also just makes crazy plays. So I think, yes, he needs to take a little bit more of what the defense is going to give him, but also don't stop being the player that you are because that's why you're best in the league. Yeah. The question is, will he do that? Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. He's not going to do it a lot because it's just not Josh. As you point Uh out, he'll do it sometimes I think, but I do think that's what they've done in the off season is give him those options, give him those outlets, give him Dalton Kincaid, give him Deontay Hardy. Like that's why you got those guys to say, look, just take more of what the defense giving you, let them run with the ball in his hands. But will he do it? He's still going to be Josh Allen. I agree with you. I want to, I can live with Josh Allen trying to force a ball that winds up in the other team's hands because the other three times he does it, it's going to wind up in the Bills' hands or for a touchdown or something like that. That's just what you have to do and live yeah. with if you're a Buffalo Bill. You, can, you can't – don't be inconsistent, Bills fans. You can't complain and say, I can't believe he threw that ball when a mistake happens and then say, oh, yeah, that's why you know, he's Josh Allen when a good thing happens doing uh-huh. the exact same thing. You can't have it both ways. I have a question for you. This is from Sal. You ready? Okay, yeah. Who lines up at cornerback two Monday night? Christian Benford. Ooh, yeah. I, I think so too, but man, bright lights, Monday night environment, Aaron Rodgers. Would you be stunned if it's still Dane Jackson? I wouldn't. I, I'm leaning Christian because of how they've played it like late in the preseason and him playing mm-hmm. in Chicago. Yeah. But I wouldn't rule out Dane Jackson still being the starting corner. One of the questions was about cornerback two and linebacker. So I just said Christian Benford, Dane Jackson. There's, of course, still a chance linebacker. I'm guessing it's Dodson. I don't know yeah. if they would just throw Bernard out there after no game reps in this summer or, you know, in the preseason. Yeah. I think it'll be Dodson. And then that actually takes me to my next question. And this one is from Dave. I think it's a good question. It's been a long offseason. My memory stinks. What are the practice squad call-up rules? And he's specifically talking about Christian Kirksey. Okay, real easy. Um, Each week, teams can elevate two players from the practice squad to make a 55-man roster. Normally, it's a 53-man roster. You Mm -hmm. can then make a 55-man roster. Out of the 55, if you have eight offensive linemen active, you're allowed to have 48 active which leaves seven inactive. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but anyway, you could do that now, but each player can only be elevated three times in a season after that, then they can just, and they just go revert back to the practice squad. If you want them elevated a fourth time, no, you got to sign them to a 53 man contract and release somebody basically. Yeah. Or IR somebody. 
Yeah, I mean, is there anybody who you think could be elevated for this game? I think, is it too soon for Kirksey? It's probably too soon, unless he's going to be like a... Probably. Uh, I I think that Andy Isabella is a a great candidate here because otherwise you only have five wide receivers going into the game. Uh Uh-huh. I think you could get away with five, though. I, I know, I know, I know what you're. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Um, anybody else that I'm thinking? I don't think. You don't practice? think. I don't think. Is a Fetty ready? I don't think he is. Probably Jermaine or Fed. If Eddie, I mean, they can just go roll in with nine offensive linemen. I think. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, actually, I, I shouldn't. I apologize. If Eddie's not on the practice squad, my he's on the, about inactive, yeah. I, he, he would probably be inactive in this in this scenario. I'm looking at the practice squad. Um. It's really not anybody see, else that I could can think of. Could you see another defensive end like Cameron Klein or Kendall Vickers, considering that Miller is not there? But no, they already have five. I couldn't. So, no, I don't think so. Um, I, I don't know. I think the only one I'd look at is maybe a wide receiver, maybe Andy Isabella. But that being said, the, the question was about the rules. The rules are every week you can elevate two. Now, you want me to talk about the third quarterback rule really quickly? Sure. Because while you're gonna, do- Yeah. Okay. Let me clarify the third quarterback rule for everyone, okay? There is not an emergency quarterback that you can just designate from around your roster and it can be a practice squad guy. That can't happen. Okay. Every week, team has 48 guys active on game day. We just went over that. Let's eight offensive line. We have 48 guys active on game day. All right. You are, you're going to have two quarterbacks active on game day, most likely. If you have three, it doesn't matter for this scenario. You have two quarterbacks active on game day. Out of the other seven players who are inactive, if it's 55, or other five players inactive out of if it's 53 out of the other inactive players, one of them will be designated your emergency quarterback. Mm -hmm. The only way he can even come into the game is if both the first two quarterbacks on the actual roster are hurt, not coach's decision. They have to be hurt. They're out of the game or ejected. The other guy comes in. Then if one of those other quarterbacks gets medically cleared, they got to go back in. The other guy's got to come out anyway. Yeah. How, how, um, I guess much do you think you could kind of try and sneak around that rule? Could you say like, you know, general soreness? Kyle Allen has general soreness. No, no and that's again, why because he's... the doctors are going to – no. And why would you? What What would be the point? Why would no, you want there shouldn't, there shouldn't, to No, there shouldn't be unless right. that other quarterback is not playing well. And then that's when I think it would get a little bit like, oh, yeah, they got, they got hit pretty hard on that last one. Well, then, then you're down Josh Allen and your backup. I yeah, mean, I mean, you don't got You probably don't have a chance either way. No, right. So, I mean, what what are we doing here? And again, if you you have independent doctors are going to look and go like, All right, can he play? Yeah, he can play. Mm-hmm. He's cleared. He can go back in the game. Yeah. So, I I think it's more of a concussion issue, things like that. You're right. You bring up a good point. Teams could try to manipulate the rule. The one way that a team can manipulate this a little bit is okay. You elevate your practice squad quarterback for the week you make him active you make him active as the backup and then you make the number two guy inactive and you designate him as your emergency guy the only issue with that is you only get three times to do that anyway so it doesn't matter yeah that's fair um mike told us that robert salad just said that Brees hall is playing on monday okay. so shout out to mike oh, i don't doubt that he doesn't play but yeah I like don't think he's how much. That much. I mean, what 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 are we looking at as far as carries or touches? Well, I think back to it's a very different thing. I think back to Trey in Detroit and the pitch count that he was on. I think he played two series and then he was done for the day. And then the following week, I believe it was in New England, he played 
every other series and then almost the entire second half. So I know it's different for a running back than it is for somebody who's reactionary as opposed to somebody who's making those decisions themselves. I think Brees gets how many touches would you say? I'm going to say eight touches. Yeah, I'd say five, six. I think eight's fine. Look, I also would question if they did put him out there and he got like 15 touches, I'd be like, hmm. Like you really want to do that to this guy right away? If you're a Jets fan, if you're a Jets, look, I'm not the doctor. He could be completely, perfectly fine and everything's great. But it, wouldn't that seem a little too ambitious right now when you have a long season? Well, I think it would be ambitious. I also think it would be strange if Brees Hall had 15 touches. Then what does Dalvin Cook have? Five? What? I mean, if he has more than that, are you really taking the ball out of game script could kind of change all of this. If they were ahead, sure, that could be a difference maker. But if it's a close game, are you really going to have 25 combined touches for your running backs? How many throws is Rodgers going to have? I don't know. Right. I, I just don't think that that – I think if you're the Bills, you would sign up for that. I think if you were like, okay, Rodgers is only going to throw the ball 25 times, you'd be like, great, that's awesome. Sure, hand the ball off. So that's kind of how I feel about the Dolphins yep. too. You know, when we were talking about Dalvin Cook with them, it's like, okay, you know, that means Tyree, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell aren't getting catches. I think that's good I for have, Bills. I have one more question. Again, maybe later in the week this is a better question, but I'll ask you right now. Would your strategy, if you're Sean McDermott, be to have Tredavious White travel with Garrett Wilson? That's very different than what they usually do. So I They've don't... done it in the past, but they don't yeah. normally do it. No, they haven't done that in a couple of years, right? Well, because Trey has Trey hasn't really played. Yeah, that's what I mean. I guess I, I yeah, I would think. I would think because then you'd get Christian Benford on Alan Lazard, which is still Alan Lazard is no slouch. He's a very fine wide receiver or you too. Get Dane Jackson on him, depending who plays. But yeah. or Dane Jackson, exactly. So. I don't know. I guess you see how Trey does. If he can hold his own, then sure. But if he doesn't look good, then I don't know what you're doing. I mean, there's but he's other probably- ways to do it. You can. You don't have to do that. You can just shade to him and double him a little bit, right? Like, mm-hmm. okay, whichever side he's on, you know, if he's on the opposite side of Tredavious White, we're just going to shade the safety over, you know, double him. You could do things like that. You don't have to have your number one corner. Other teams, I know what Rex used to do, and I actually think it's a good strategy a lot of times. You'd actually put your top corner on their number two and just double the number one everywhere. Yeah, that's a good I mean, it's a conceivably a really smart strategy, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody's knocking Rex's defensive mind. He was very good I, at this stuff. I, he would do that sometimes. So yeah. Last question for you. It's Labor Day. We're recording yep. a podcast. Best Labor Day. This is from Greg. Best Labor Day activity. Boating, grilling, golfing. What do you got? Podcasting with Podcasting. Matt podcasting with Sal Capaccio. Yeah, I was gonna say the same thing, actually. Um, I think for me, over the years, best Labor Day activity would be um, probably grilling and chilling, right? I mean, like there's What's college the football on now, there's college football tonight. We have a game. I think it's, was it Duke and Clemson tonight? Right. I mean, it's not a great game, but there's college football. There's some baseball, like kind of chilling because for us in this business starts the chaos. Yeah. And I just kind of need to chill a little bit. Mm-hmm. I agree. We did, I've... we did go to Legoland this weekend though, by the way, in Goshen, New York. How was that? It was awesome. Have you been to Legoland anywhere? There's three no, of them, I think. I have not. There's a Florida, there's a California, and there's now a new one in Goshen, New York. Just opened two years ago. It was supposed to open before the pandemic got delayed. Uh, it was awesome. The the only, I'm not going to say complaint, like it was actually way better. The one in Florida, the one in New York is, has a better layout and way better rides. The one in Florida has a way better water park, as you can imagine. It's Florida. Uh, yeah, that makes sense to me. <laughs> that makes sense to me for sure. Um, I do want to say two one thing real quick. This is okay. for both of us. Right now, there is a dispute going on with Spectrum 
Oh yeah. And with Disney, Disney is the parent company of ESPN. If you have Spectrum, you're probably aware of this by now that you have not had ESPN for the last couple of days. Locally, if you are listening to this podcast and you live in Buffalo or Rochester, you can watch the game on ABC. In Buffalo, that is WKBW Channel 7. In Rochester, that is 13 Wham. Both ABC stations, both have coverage starting at 7 o'clock. Obviously, if you're listening on the radio, you'll still be able to listen to Sal on the sideline and Chris Brown and Eric Wood on the radio broadcast. But we have had an astronomical amount of questions asking if we are airing the game. Yes, we are airing the game. Even if you have Spectrum, no need to worry. You will be able to watch it on Channel 7. Awesome. I love it. One more thing before we go. As we record this this morning, we are just about a half hour or so away from Jessica Pagula at yeah. the U.S. Open uh, playing in the, I think it is round of 32. Four. It's the round to get into the quarterfinals. Okay. Um, so that would be quarterfinals 16? Yeah. Eight. No, quarterfinals is eight. Right? Uh, Semifinals is four people left. Quarterfinals is eight. So this is the so round. So this is the round to get into yeah. the. But well, either way, here's what I want to tell you. All right, um, it's just been remarkable watching her. She's actually made it to I think to the quarters in each of the last whatever Grand Slams. First American do do that in a, to do that in a long time. She's the current highest ranked American man or woman in tennis. Round of round of sixteen. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. That's what she is now. <laughs> yeah. Round of sixteen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So this is to get so this is to get into the quarterfinals. And if she does that, she extends that streak, which is quite amazing. The other thing I'll bring up is one of her nemesis is, um, I want to say the name, what is it? Schweitek, Schweitek, right? She's number one in the world. Mm-hmm. She actually lost last night and got eliminated and she's the number one seed. So, Hey man, if Jessica can keep this, she's got Madison keys. That's a tough match. Yeah. If Jessica can keep this role in. She's got another look at it here, which would be really cool. Also the final, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the final for the U S open women's title is on Saturday. In New okay. York City. So I might have to go to New York a couple well, days go. early. Cover it. You got to cover it. All right. Well, good luck to Jessica Pagula. Um, you know, rooting for her. It was great to see her at Bill's practice last week. The day that she was leaving to go to uh, New York for the U.S. Open was awesome. Got a chance to catch up and talk with her. We all did. And, and it's just mm-hmm. really awesome watching her career and her ascension. So in the meantime, Matt and I will be back later in the week with another podcast. We'll start to really dig into the Bills and the Jets. Here's the schedule. Matt. Tell everybody what the Bills' schedule is this week so fans know. We always get, are they practicing this week? What's going yeah. on? So they get a Wednesday practice, a Thursday practice. And nothing off, Tuesday. Nothing Tuesday. So they get a holiday weekend, essentially. Yeah. They were off for the last couple of days. They're back on Wednesday. They practice on Wednesday and Thursday. On Friday, they are getting an off day. And then on Saturday, they are practicing again. My guess is that they would do a walkthrough Sunday morning before flying out, fly out to New York, probably get in New York, I don't know, five, six o'clock, something like that. And then that Monday is going to be a long day for everybody who's a player, everybody who's a fan, everybody who's just waiting for kickoff. It's going to be a long, long, long wait in those hotels for those guys. Hey, everybody, if you get a chance, um, uh, if I can do a shameless plug here, every year I'm a part of the Real Men Wear Pink campaign for the American Cancer Society. And this year to help raise money, I started my own survivor pool for everybody who wants to get in. It's ESPN's Eliminator Challenge, actually, it's called, Matt. Um, real easy. I posted on Twitter, donate to my Real Men Wear Pink campaign. I'm asking for $20, but you can do whatever you want. You want to donate 5 bucks or 500 bucks? That'd be great. And then get in the Eliminator Challenge, and the winner, I'm going to personally give a $100 gift card to the NFL shop. 
Oh, that's cool. That's awesome. There I hope you, you have so, fantastic success. Yes, I'm thank sure you very much. All right. Well, listen, we're going to head out now. And thanks to Mike Robier for doing a great job producing here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Hope you had a great Labor Day weekend. Football season is here.